Jackson, I appreciate you being a part of this apostolic voice call. And uh, it's very important right now that we hear the voice of ministry. Fivefold ministry is essential part of the church. God gave those gifts to the body. And I want to thank you for just being willing to be a part of this. Uh, you had a video that just went viral, went crazy, and um, felt led to go up and minister there on the streets of Minneapolis. And I just wanted to um, get your take on what you're feeling right now. What are you feeling in the spirit? What is God speaking to you? Uh, Brother Sharp, what an honor and what a privilege it is uh, to have the opportunity to share the word of God uh, through this medium and all those working behind the scenes. I give honor to you. Um, basically, uh, you guys are about to get uh, a backstory that... Uh, probably no one's going to get. Um, I, God put me under a divine restriction since the end of last year. Uh, he said, Victor, I don't want you to post inspirational video. Uh, I don't want you to uh, dig it on Instagram lives. I don't want you to do any videos of yourself. I don't want you to give my word through video. Uh, I don't want you to do your own podcast. I don't want you to release any of uh, your books. He said, I don't want any of that. And I was like, well, okay, God, that's no, that's no big deal. Well, but then the coronavirus hit, and that's the only way to get a message out. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the only way to get a message out. But God said, don't you say a word. So no videos, no posts, no nothing. I just was on complete lockdown while I'm watching the world go up in flames. The only way he released me to preach was as, as if someone asked me for a video, if someone invited me, if someone invited me onto their live, but I couldn't create my own. So I was just held by the spirit as God told the man of God after God used them. God told them, go hide yourself. So I was literally in hiding, just waiting on the Lord. And all of a sudden, Friday morning, I woke up and I felt so burdened. And I felt God release me from that restriction. So the first thing I did was I recorded a video of myself preaching for about 25 minutes and I was about to upload it and send it. I was a, it was a word to the world. And the Lord said, no, that's not, you're not, no, that's not the way. So I deleted it. Then I went on Instagram live to talk to some kids and gave them a biblical response to everything that was going on in the world. And then God said, delete it. They don't, uh, delete it. They just think it's all talk. All this Bible stuff is just all talk. They wanted me to be outraged instead of Christian. Uh, they wanted me to be uh, bitter instead of biblical. And so the Lord said, delete that live. That's not the way. So I was just literally almost in the depression of the sharp. I sat down in my bed. I was so distraught. And the Lord said, it's time. You need to go there to Minnesota to make a difference. He told me that at about 830. I booked my flights called my pastor. I said, pastor, the Lord's telling me to go to Minnesota. I've already booked my flights, but pastor, if you tell me not to go, I will cancel these tickets right now. He said, Victor, I feel the burden on you. You need to go. The earliest flight out was from Atlanta, Brother Sharp. I left 1230 in the morning and I drove five hours to Atlanta. I got there at 615 in the morning. I got on the flight out at 845. I landed there at 10, got to the streets at about 10.45. I prayed for people until about 2.45.
and I got on a flight out at 3.30 because they had a mandatory curfew at 8, and the last flight out was at 3.30. It was my burden that drove me there. I thought I might just pray with one person. I thought I might just pray with one police officer, but I knew it was for me personally. I didn't have time to talk about it. My whole life has been about obedience. Whatever God speaks, I'm going to obey. And so when God gave me the release to go, and he said, make a video. Uh, and the stranger that I had holding the phone, it was a stranger. I went there by myself. It was a stranger. And this stranger's name was Peter. So Peter held the camera for me while I went to get the attention of the masses to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, can I have your attention? I like to have prayer in this place so the people of this world knows that there is still hope in Minneapolis. I came here from Florida for one reason and that is that there be unity, that is that there be love and kindness so if you could just gather in a little closer, let's honor social distancing. Can you come in a little closer? We're just gonna have prayer that there is love, that there is peace, that there is joy, and that there is hope in this city. Does anyone believe there's hope in this city? Yes. yes. Can you clap your hands if you believe there's hope in this city? Jesus Christ, if we receive his spirit, there's going to be a transformation that happens. If you'd like to come and talk to me, I'd love to pray with you in person, uh, person to person. Thank you so much for your time. Can you give God a hand clap of appreciation? Hallelujah. I can feel, I can feel something right now just in the spirit. What, what happened? While you were there, tell us about some of the things that you felt. I got there with a shark. I just, I cannot sit here and watch the world fall apart. I cannot be on social media so much that I'm not able to do something about it. When I'm seeing officers being killed, when I'm seeing black and white being murdered. When I'm seeing the world go up in flames and I'm not under the influence of the culture, I'm under the influence of the spirit. And I was so burdened, I went there and literally there were people that I was walking down the road. As soon as I walked down the road, I saw somebody, I said, do you have a prayer request? Uh, and they were like, well, just for peace in our community. I said, do you mind if I pray with you right now? Uh, they said, no, no, I don't mind. I prayed for him right there. And then I went on. There was a denominational church nearby, about a block away where George, from George, where George Floyd died. Uh, as a denominational pastor. 
him and his congregation were outside of their building giving food, I went up to that pastor and said, do you mind if I pray for you and your congregation? He said, we need all the prayers we can get. I prayed for that denominational pastor and about 50 people there. Then I just kept walking towards where George Floyd and I prayed with probably 50 people on the walk to that site. Once I got to the site, there were thousands everywhere, but my, my voice range, it was gonna, it would reach hundreds. And I just wanted to get their attention. So I just cried out, can I have your attention? Everyone's eyes turned toward me. And uh, I guess I'm an oddity already. I was the only one there with a suit and tie on. They focused in. I prayed, I told them to lift up their hands. Everyone lifted up their hands. I didn't meet an ounce of resistance there. Yeah. Everyone was open. Everyone was open and they were thankful. And I've already heard back already. There's several cases of where people, cause I said, I mentioned the Jesus. I didn't even mention my name in that video. I mentioned Jesus, I mentioned get baptized, repent, receive the spirit. I mentioned the, I'm an evangelist with the United Pentecostal Church International. And I mentioned the UPCI website, www.upci.org. Literally from that video has reached over a million, well over a million. It's been shared on different platforms and literally People went home, Brother Sharp, typed in upci.org, found the church in their city, and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost and were baptized in Jesus' name Sunday. Praise God. On one occasion, Brother Sharp, there was a woman that the closest UPCI church she could find was in a, a nearby state. She drove to that UPCI church and was born again of the water and of the spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If we can get a burden for a lost and dying world, if we can understand that Jesus died for everyone and he loves everyone, if we can understand that Jesus loves Donald Trump, Jesus loves Barack Obama, Jesus loves Mike Pence. Jesus loves Nancy Pelosi. Jesus loves the Democrat. Jesus loves the Republican. If we will ever get a revelation that he loves everyone and he died for everyone, oh Lord, we will get delivered from the influence of the culture and start reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He does love everyone. Every one of those people um, talk to us. You know, I, I, I was raised in a multicultural home, but I, I was colorblind, but I know that's not the case today. I was raised in a Christian home. So race was not even a thing. It, it didn't even really exist. And uh, I played with friends that were of all nationalities. Uh, we have a tremendously multicultural representation of our community here, right here in the, in our um, congregation. And so there's a lot of people though, that struggle with this. What is the biblical response? What are you feeling needs to be heard right now? That's going to get people thinking the right way. The biblical response to racism. Number one, as a Christian, our priority is our relationship with God, number one. The gospel is the remedy for every sin. We understand that racism is a sin. The church has been preaching that for years. Brother Bernard has been very vocal about it. Racism is a sin. We, we understand that. The biblical way to respond, here it is, Brother Sharp. I've said this since I've been in ministry. 
I preached this for over five years. I preached it in Alabama. I preached it in Mississippi. I preached it across this country. And that is this. Jesus said in the last days that nations shall rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There should be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Jesus said in the last days, nations shall rise against nation. That word nation, the Greek word is ethnos, which literally means ethnicity. Jesus said that in the last days, races would rise up against other races. The blacks against the whites, the whites against the blacks, the Latinos, the Indians, the, the Koreans, the Chinese. He said the races would rise up against each other and it would be in conflict. And he said that that would be a sign of the world, yeah. not the church. Mm. But here's why we have to be wise. Because it's a sign of the world, not the church. Because look what he says. Here's where we have to be careful. He said this, ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Here it is. Meaning your own race is going to hate you because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. So the very person you are coming to their defense right now is the same person that would persecute you because of your walk with God. So we have to be careful that we don't get entangled with the cultural narrative that uses the culture to push an agenda. But we remain biblical and say, Jesus, every police officer needs Jesus and every victim, every black person, every person that may feel oppressed, they need Jesus as well. And I'm taking Jesus' side in the middle of it all and saying, hey, you come over here, it's time to get right with God. And hey, you come over here, it's time to get right with God. And this may not be popular. Oh, Jesus. This may not be popular, but I will say this, that the, any oppressor has a responsibility to come into alignment with Jesus Christ, but also the oppressed have a responsibility to come into alignment with Jesus Christ. We cannot put someone needs Jesus on one side of the aisle. Right. Both sides need Jesus. And if we can understand that the gospel is the answer for mankind, you're going to be able to set your face like a flint and preach the gospel. And when you preach the gospel, you're preaching equality. Amen. Because Jesus said there's Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. We're all one in him. Right? Amen. And, and so it's the gospel that's going to be the answer that changes those things. You will, the gospel in certain seasons will convict of different types of sin. And so if we just keep preaching Jesus as the answer, our government's not the answer. Right. If we get in the spirit at the Azusa Street Revival, they worshiped God, they were integrated. Blacks and whites. And the media hated it. The media made fun of them for being integrated. But they were integrated in the Azusa Street Revival in 1906, listen, more than 50 years before integration was accepted. The Spirit of God will show equality. The Spirit of God will bind us together. So it's about getting in the spirit, hearing the voice of God is going to make a difference for this hour. They were, Hallelujah. not only were they integrated, women were laying hands on young men, sending them forth to go preach the gospel, sending them forth to go become missionaries. Women were in high leadership authorities more than a decade before women were even allowed to vote. 
See, the spirit moved before the law moved. Y'all yes, can make sir. me preach on here. Preach. The, the spirit moved before the law was instituted. Can I tell you, God starts moving before laws gets instituted. Before tithing was a law, tithing was in faith. Yep. Abraham tithed till Melchizedek. It wasn't a law, it was faith. Circumcision was an act of faith before right. it became the law of Moses. Faith moves before the law moves. Y'all gonna make me preach here. So if we will get in our faith and if we will get in the spirit, the law will catch up to what God is Hallelujah. doing in the spirit. Amen. You've got to have a word of a prophet before something can come to pass. And the prophetic, the moving of the spirit, and the word of God precedes creation. And things will begin to happen. The natural is a reflection of what somebody has been prophesying in the spirit. You know, you said something very interesting. You said, I've lived my entire life doing everything I can to be obedient. Whatever God says, I'm going to do. And to be very honest with you, disobedience is wickedness. You can't really cut it any other way. If God speaks to us yeah. and we do not listen, it's the same thing that happened in the garden. And so yeah. it is so critical for the church, even in this hour, to not be in the flesh. The flesh is always speaking the wrong message. The spirit is That's always exactly speaking right. the right message. And we have to be obedient, obedient to it. You said something else. You said the spirit brings unity. Uh, you're talking about the gospel saving people. And, and let's just be real. The only place you're going to find genuine unity, where, where else are you going to find the kind of unity that you find in the body of Christ, where every tribe, every tongue, every nation is coming together. The Spirit brings people together. And if, and if we don't have a move of the Spirit in this hour, I mean, you cannot substitute a move of God. You cannot manufacture a move of God. You can't fake a move of God. You can't try to recreate somehow through the flesh a move of God. You can't smoke and lights a move of God. You can't uh, music a move of God. You have to have a genuine, sincere move of God. And when people fall on their faces, something transforms people when they are touched by the genuine presence of God, it, it brings a, a sense of humility is what it does. People realize there's a power much bigger than me, and it causes us to become firm. And I love what you said there because a lot of people wonder, well, how do we get unity? You, if you don't have a move of God, you're going to have a hard time getting unity. I don't care what you're doing. We, we have, um, we've reached a place where love has become controversial. All right. I've noticed that there's a lot of emphasis on justice, but there's not a lot of emphasis on forgiveness. Go ahead with that. My question is, what happens when you get justice? Yeah. Justice without forgiveness still leads to destruction. Come on. Um, meaning justice, the word means the administration of the law. There's a lot of people crying out for law right now. Where's the oh, love? Lord. And that's scary. That's scary. Because if, if we were to cry out to God for justice, we would die. Mm -hmm. um, you see, what if every person in this world, what if their sins were publicized? There you go. What if their sins were on the news right now? Yeah, exactly. Repentance has made and a huge difference. And the whole world, what, what if they saw, what if they saw you when you were living in the world, when these people, if you, if you were uh, getting drunk in the world, if you were doing drugs in the world, 
What if your past was lamb blasted on CNN yeah. and Fox News and everyone would say, judge him right now. We want justice. When you cry out for the law, you know where the law's going to begin? The law's going to begin with you. They wouldn't like it. They wouldn't like it right now. All I'm saying is, the Bible says, give and it shall be given you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give it to your bosom. He's not just talking about giving. Look at the context. He's talking about judgment and mercy. Meaning, if you give judgment all the time, judgment is going to be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give judgment back to your bosom. If mercy all the time, he said, give and it shall be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give mercy back to your bosom. So I'm very careful crying out for the law against people. Come on, somebody. Because if my, if my past, my 19 years in the world, if they were put up there on the screen, I hope some people would be merciful to me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's so powerful. And, and, and love is the answer, and, and this is going to hurt, but love doesn't seek for consequences. Oh, that hurts. We might have to, we might have to restart this video. <laughs> love seeks for reconciliation. And what I have been seeing since Sunday is a whole lot of reconciliation going Amen. on. Amen. Amen. Boy, you're right about that. I've been seeing blacks and whites hugging. I've been seeing protesters and policemen hugging. I've seen people bow before the other and repent before them. If we're ever going to change the world, it's yes, going to be by love, not by asking for judgment. You see, what's happening right now is that opposing forces, they're, one's using power and the other uses power. And as long as you're coming at each other with power, there's going to be burned buildings, there's going to be riots, there's going to be destruction. But if we humble ourselves and love one another, there will be a reconciliation. Uh, on that note, you mentioned something about obedience. With that, see, love's controversial, man. Look, if I can forgive my stepdad that beat me for the first 11 years of my life, that I'd have bruises all over my body, busted lips, going to school with busted lips, low self-esteem, I babbled. For the first five years of my life, I could not speak a word of English until I went to a speech therapist at five years old for a year to teach me how to talk because I was so abused. What if I spent my whole life asking God to judge that man? Who is bound? Me or him? If my ability to move forward is God's judgment on a person that's done me wrong, I will always be bound. Because people don't always acknowledge their wrongs. So you're going to spend your whole life trying to get someone to acknowledge a wrong when the thing that is going to deliver me is forgive. Amen. For anybody that listens to this, if I'm beaten, if I've got black eyes, if I'm abandoned, if I have a biological father and a stepfather at age 11 that both of them don't want me, if I were to spend my whole life saying, why weren't you there for me? Who leaves a child to fend for themselves? 
Who leaves a child and tells them face to face, you know I don't want you, right? I just want those girls. I don't want you. Come on, somebody. You know, you say judgment. There's coming a day when there will be judgment. But God never put it in our hands to judge. I'm thankful that he's the judge. And the only thing that we can judge right now is ourselves. Either we judge ourselves and say, you've done wrong, you got to get it right, or God will judge us. And forgiveness is probably the most powerful thing we possess, especially in this traumatic time. People don't understand it. You know, they caught that woman in the act of adultery. And they brought her before Jesus and said, judge her now. For the law says she ought to be stoned. The law says. Yeah. Come on, somebody. That's right. It's a pharisaical attitude. So law says she ought to be stoned. And Jesus said, he that is without sin cast the first stone. There you go. So for everybody out there that has never sinned. There you go. Keep judging everybody. Judge the protesters. Judge the policemen. Judge everybody. But if you've sinned, it's time to drop the rock. Amen. Because that's the only way we move forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Do I acknowledge there's wrong? Yes, there's wrong in the world, but you cannot be held hostage by what the world's doing to you. You've got to get a hold of a unity. By this shall they know that you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. If people in the church are sensing this in them, it's a sign that the spirit of Antichrist has influenced because mm. we in the church this attitude should not exist. It has no place in the body of Christ. I don't care what color you are. It has no place in the body of Christ. And if we start to recognize the same attitudes this world are displaying, and, and, and they may be rioting, and, and really it's anarchy. It's complete, total spirit of rebellion. I mean, this is not protest. This is anarchy. Um, it's the spirit of rebellion. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. That's what he is. He's the son of rebellion. You've got people in the church that allow that spirit to manifest in them in very subtle ways. And it cause, always causes division. And there's always this victim mentality, if you will, that, you know, I've been done wrong, offense. And if we don't get rid of this right now, it's going to hinder whatever it is that we say we want God. We've got to release every offense that's in our lives. I don't care what the offense is. It's got to go. That is so powerful. That's where we're at. I, 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 like, like, what did they say? I choose to love. Hate is too great of a burden to bear. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's about loving people. I think something's being brought out right now, Brother Jackson. I almost feel like God is God is exposing something. You know, when things like this happen, it brings things to the surface. This cannot ex we cannot allow this to exist in the church. If people in the church are feeling these things, they need to recognize this is not me. This is the enemy. This is not me cuz cuz I know there are good people that are dealing with these emotions. They're good people. Uh, they're, 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 they're people filled with the Spirit. But the, but the enemy has been working overtime to try to plant seeds of division, seeds of, of, of racism, seeds of uh, this person doesn't like you, that person doesn't like you, you should be upset at this person because they did this, and, and just division, deception, whatever it is that you want to call it. It's, it's, it's being exposed. I can sense it being exposed in the spirit and repentance is going to take the, he that to him that overcomes in revelations overcoming really was just repentance. That's what each one of those churches was to do. If you'll repent, if you'll repent, 
Repentance will bring victory into these people's lives, but they have to release it. They have to forgive it. And, and, and what we're teaching right now is a counter-worldly culture measure. So what is the culture of Christ? Love. You've said it, you've said it 20 times. You have to love. So you're teaching a Christian culture, a Christ-like culture. He loved his enemies. Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. They've lost their first love. They thought they loved me, but they crucified me. They, worship, they say they worship me, but they put me on a cross. Forgive them. So we are teaching something countercultural. What is it that people need to carry with them every day? How do you put this into their hands and make this a tool so they can win this battle? How do you make love practical, if you will? How do you exercise that every day? I, I saw a post where someone said, what we what we need we need to pray like never before and somebody commented a christian they said man when all people talk about is praying that gets really annoying annoying what they're trying to say is look man i'm tired of you saying i need to be spiritual this is what the hour is calling for this is what the hour needs to exhibit the love of god in a way that we've never done before we don't need to take sides we need to be biblical and that's love he loves the republican he loves the democrat he loves the rich he loves the poor he loves the black he loves the white if we can love the world in such a way to where we get a burden we can change this world like never before Love always leads to a burden. The Bible says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? God's mind was full of man, and it led him to visit man. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost speaking already. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? God's mind was so filled with us, it had to lead to him visiting us. And love, love sometimes can begin just with a thought, a thought of love. Uh, Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Um, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. That word is logos, which means the thought or the plan. And so Jesus Christ is love and the, the thought of redemption, the thought of Calvary was in God's mind before time began. So love was in the mind of God before time began, but that love that was a thought became a plan of love but finally led to, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The love that started with the thought became a plan, then became an action and a manifestation. The final manifestation of love is an action. So God is calling the church right now to act, to be his hands, to be his feet in the streets everywhere that we go loving the unlovable. Uh, reaching those that, that people think cannot be reached. And God is calling us to love in this hour. Amen. He's calling us to love, and that love will always manifest in an action. It's okay to love to love the world, to love people, although you feel bad because you haven't acted yet. But that's okay. I know you love them in your mind. And I know you love them because you think about coming up with a plan. That's what the church has been doing the last three months under this coronavirus. But right now, it's time for that final manifestation. And that is to act in love. That's to go into the communities, pray with people. It's to love people unconditionally. Love is what's going to bridge the gap. Everyone has power. 
We see the police exercising power. We see the protesters exercising power and we see the least of destruction. Power is not the answer right now. Love is the answer and love leads to forgiveness. Love leads to reconciliation. Love doesn't seek the consequences. Love doesn't seek to judge anybody. Love seeks the best interests of every soul. Amen. Amen. You know, you talk about being obedient to the Holy Ghost and the opposite of obeying, obeying the Holy Ghost is wickedness. Uh, a sin of omission, if you will. It's the sin of not doing what we've been told to do by God. Um, it's going to be just as, as we're going to have to answer for every command that we didn't listen to. Same thing in the garden. Eve was commanded by God or, or through Adam and uh, through, her, through her covering, if you will, and she didn't listen, disobeyed, and God judged. And I think today there's got to be such a radical obedience. Um, we're not going to fight fire with fire. It's, it's the fire of the Holy Ghost wasn't meant to fight other people or to burn other people up. It was meant to cleanse us, I believe, personally. And, well, it's like, and it's like that, I said about, about Jonah. I said, Jonah, God has a will for your will. <laughs> and Jonah, God will keep you in the well long enough uh -huh. until your will, God's will becomes your will. Mm. Jonah went into the well with his will and he came out of the well with God's will. And oh God. how long do we have to stay in the belly of hell before we obey? Oh God. Oh God. And and for me, that's that's how I learned that's how I learned to obey quickly. But God is so patient. God is so long suffering. He is. I want you to know this in Genesis 12 1. The Bible says that that now the Lord had said unto Abram, get out of that country, leave your father's house. Notice when Acts Acts 7, Stephen preaching. He states, he states this. He states that God spoke to Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. Yep. Right. So here it is. God told him to leave his father's house, but the problem is he brought his father's house on the journey. And yes, while he did. was in Haran, now listen, he was in disobedience. Here it right. is, Brother Sharp. So God had to kill his daddy. Yep. To get his feet moving. Yep. And so the word was quickened. See, the word was hanging over his life, but he hadn't fully obeyed yet. And when his dad died, he started walking again. See, God works with us. And as he started walking again, he still didn't leave his father's house. He's still bringing a lot. Right. So God says, okay, I got to bring friction between you and Lot. Sure. To push you into obedience. Pain and friction pushes the church into obedience. Yeah. The word, the word persecution in the Greek literally means to press forward. When the church gets persecuted, that is hell pressing us forward. Amen. We don't go forward all the time voluntarily. Many times we take steps forward involuntarily. And the world, I could not watch the world fall into ashes before my eyes any longer. I could not debate it. I could not post about it. I had to do something. I had to do something, anything, something to make a difference. And can I tell you the next day, they did a video in the same spot that I prayed, CNN. And they said, this is the most peaceful it has been since the riots began. They said, this area, he said, there's not been, even, he said, even last night, Saturday night, see, I went there Saturday afternoon. He said, even last night, it was peaceful here. Praise God. And he said, and now he said, the atmosphere has changed. It's a peaceful climate in this area. When the church gets a burden, when the church obeys, yeah. 
that we have the ability to change the atmosphere. And I'm seeing the church going out into their, their communities right now. And I am seeing them praying over these protesters and over these policemen. And I am seeing the atmosphere beginning to change. The tide is beginning to change because love and obedience is the way for that to happen. We have to be different, Brother Jackson. We cannot be like this world. You know, the word God gave Abraham was separate. Be holy. Uh, Leave your father's house. Separate. It said in, in uh, when Lot separated, it said, now when Lot had separated from Abram, God spoke to Abram and he said, he, he reaffirmed the promise. Every time Abram made the right step in, in the direction God wanted him to go, God would come in and affirm the same word that he had already given him. That is so powerful. When he would not, when he would not respond to that word, the friction came, like you said, the persecution, the difficulty, the, the, the adversity, and the adversity led to the victory. It drove him into the right direction. It caused him to make the decisions that were necessary because it's, you know, we bring baggage with us and there's going to be people coming out of the world that are carrying this baggage of racism, of hate, of, of, uh, of unforgiveness, of all of, of disobedience, all of these different worldly cultures that are counter Christ culture. They don't, they're anti-Christ culture. And, uh, and we have to be able to help them. But the only thing I think that can help them is a move of God's spirit. Yes. Um, We cannot change them. We cannot reason with them. They need to have a baptism experience. They need the gospel to touch them and transform, nothing else is going to make the difference in this hour. Only the we Spirit of God. We need the preaching of the gospel. Amen. Only the Spirit of God. At the Azusa Street Revival, uh, they were integrated. Blacks, whites. Yep, yep. Um, Unity. Uh, uh, Latinos. They were worshiping together like never before. The, the Spirit was 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 is was the great equalizer. You can't get that through a law. You can't get that through a government. You have to go right. through the spirit. Right. Has to. Has to. And and the spirit will produce the real deal. Yes. Because anything the enemy does is a counterfeit. It's a fake. So the enemy is always at, on the move trying to offer what God is already producing. Come on. And it's always in the flesh and it'll wow. never last. It'll never be effective. It'll always fall apart. But if we will continue in the spirit, we will see this thing through to the end. I feel the Holy Ghost. There's going to be a breaking of racial chains in the church. If we'll allow the spirit to work right now, I believe we can see these things that the world is demonstrating completely removed from the body, if, as it were, like Abraham removed himself from, from everything that was holding him back. Once it surfaced, I believe the surfacing that's happening now in the spirit can bring the church to a greater revival level than it's ever been. And if racism is in the church, it will not have revival. It's you know, it's, it's sin. You know, any sin. It's sin. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. The spirit has the ability to drive out racism. Yes, the same way it can drive out fornication. Yes, sir. The same way it can drive out pornography. Amen. You know, we have to stop allowing You can the be delivered. You know, you got to stop allowing the culture to dictate which sins are worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? We have to go to the solution for all sin. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, what's at the root of racism? Um, what is at the root of racism? There is unforgiveness there, no doubt. It's, it's, it's just sin. It's just not only sin. There are things that are, uh, you know, there are things that the gospel has to shed off as you grow up. There are things that the gospel has to, there are ways that people are raised that they don't even know it's sin. Sure. That the gospel and the spirit has to prick the heart. Say, to expose it. Say, hey, that's not right. 
Right. You know, the Holy Ghost is a convictor. It will convict you. Right. That's exactly right. You know, it's the same thing with cussing. Yeah. You know, it's like the first thing that happens when you come to God is you start realizing the way you talk has to change. But yeah. the things that you said before that never bothered you now bother you. And if the Holy Ghost ever is offended inside of you over the way a joke that's said or something that's mentioned or the way something's addressed, that ought to be immediately a, a sign. I've got to obey that. The old timers called it a check. I got to obey that check in the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's it right there. Because that's letting me know what's right. That's it right there. When you get the Holy Ghost, you can see something, uh, you know, uh, and something doesn't sit well in your spirit. Yeah, no peace. You get what I'm saying? And and, yep. and the Holy Ghost will reveal those things. It'll reveal. And, and exactly we right. just got to let him... Uh, do the work. Yes, preach the gospel. The gospel is going to take care of sin. It's going to take care and if, of, of injustices. But we have to set our face as a flint and fulfill our mission as a church. Amen. Well, I think it's amazing um, what's come about as a result of this. We're living in such an amazing time right now. The The Word of God is literally just being fulfilled before our very eyes. He said, when you see these things, know that the, the, it's coming. We're here. It's begun. Uh, or, or at least that we're in that time. Yes. That we're, seeing, we're seeing it all around us. I'm so thankful that there are men of God, like yourself and others, who are willing to make a stand to preach without fear of favor, um, that absolutely are determined to do the will of God, whatever it takes. Uh, man, it's it's that that's what it's about. I mean, God, God is raising up the United Pentecostal Church for this time um, to have His heartbeat to go out into the world and reach, regardless of background, race, color. Uh, that is our challenge. And I'm telling you, God is going to raise up our churches in a way that we've never experienced before. You know, I, I uh, our church, our ch a lot of our church will be, I hope all of our, our people will be watching this. And 